Hello everyone and welcome back to the Cyclocross Social Podcast. With me here today to talk about the last race of 2020 is Twan. Hello. We'll be talking about the Cyclocross in Bredene, the Sylvester Cross or the ATS Cross in Bredene, which wasn't the most exciting race. First we'll talk about the men's race and there we had the whole start for Curtis White but he quickly fell back. That gave us four leaders, Van der Poel, Aarts, Van Tournout and Vermeers. Not all big names were there, some decided to take some rest, others were injured, but most decided to take some rest. And you could see that the riders that were starting there didn't have the intention to make it a very hard day of racing. So from this four leaders, it was first Van Tournout who crashed and then had a train drop and was dropped from that group. Vermeers then got dropped because Stone Arts accelerated, which gave us two leaders, Van der Poel and Arts. And just over halfway through the race, Stone Arts had a front puncture, and that gave Van der Poel clear road to go on to claim uh, another victory here. He won in front of Arts, Van Toonart rode a recovery ride and ended third there. So, as we said, it's a busy time here, and some riders decided to take some rest. How much effort do you think that Van der Poel put in uh, here today to be able to grab this victory? I felt like he was in cruise control for most of it, uh, how, how much effort that would be. Uh, I, th- I think it's still, like, it will still uh, hit home a bit, but of course it's not one of those days like he had in uh, Namur where he had to go all the way to the line. I think he just found a rhythm that he was happy with and just was able to keep it going. He didn't even really have to accelerate because of that puncture, so I, I think uh, all was good in the camp of Vanderpool. I think it was a relatively easy day for Van der Poel in the office, at least compared to the tough races we had in Dendermonde, Namur and Herentals. But at the same time, I also feel like Tone Arch wasn't giving it his absolute all during the race. I think they were really riding with their heads. I mean, there's some tough times coming up um, with three races that Van der Poel is all starting on Friday, Saturday and Sunday. He certainly was already thinking about those and going 120% like in Dendermonde, that's really not something he will be wanting to do today. Yeah, I think the added fact of, of course, it not being a classification race. Uh, for example, Tonarts, he knows the moment he punctures, any chance of him winning the race is just out of the window. Uh, it, it would have been hard had he uh, not punctured, but at least he would have had some sort of hope, I guess. Uh, but with that puncture, it's just completely gone. And uh, the view goes to the 1st of January in Baal. Which is, of course, a home race for Tonart with uh, his team changing names. It's going to be called Trek Balwas Lions or Balwas Trek. I'm not too sure on that, but I think he will definitely be focusing on that. But it was a pretty boring race, I think. You never really had the excitement. Of course, you had Van der Poel and the Arch together for a while, but you also had the feeling that Van der Poel was just comfortably sitting on the wheel because the moment Arch accelerated, there really wasn't any sort of moment that you could have had the feeling of on the pool was going to break yeah i definitely felt that as well he was just kind of waiting i i think everyone was kind of waiting for an acceleration of vanderpool uh i think the battle behind was a bit more interesting for the minor places as uh it usually is with a uh, cross with vanderpool in it well, let's take a look at who ended behind there, because behind Van der Poel, Arts and Van Tournaut, we found Gianni Vermeers in front of. Tom Meosu rode a super good second half of the race. Then we saw Dieter Zweig in 6th, Nicolas Kleppe in 7th, Merlier in 8th, Jentel Beekaert in 9th, and the 10th place went to Anton Ferdinande. Some new names here in the top 10. The first one I would like to point out here is Tim Merlier ended 8th. For a uh, while, he showed some sort of... 
uh, liveness for the first time of the season. He was riding fifth until he crashed and then fell back a bit. But definitely some improvement to see at the end of Tim Merlier. Yeah, I thought, um, of course, you hope today that he gets something like a fifth place. He really should be able to get it in a field like this. Uh, Still isn't able to grab it, which is quite disappointing. But uh, at, at least at some points, there were some glimmers of hope. Well, his teammate on the road, Vermeers, ended fourth. I mean, Vermeers and Melier were both on the podium here last year. I mean, for Vermeers, I think he rode a pretty good race, just two seconds off the podium. He said in an interview himself, he's beginning to feel more and more like a cyclocross rider and less like a road rider. So I think Vermeers is definitely someone we should keep an eye on, uh, keep an eye out on him for the remainder of the season, because especially on the slightly harder and tougher parkourses, I think Vermeers can definitely still be a threat for top five or podium places. Yeah, of course, in stronger fields it will be hard, but I definitely hope to see him up there in some more races. Uh, he's really shown today that he can compete with, uh, well, the likes of uh, Van Turenhout with a Bale Fortune. Then somebody you would like to talk about is the rider in seventh place, Nicolas Kleppe. He ended seventh year in what is potentially his last race, or at least he said himself it's his last race. His contract at Thelenet didn't get extended. What do you think about the decision that they didn't extend his contract? I think it's unfortunate. Uh, Nicolas Kleppe has been a solid rider, of course not the greatest rider. Hasn't been having the greatest of seasons. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, it's come up at a bad time for him, I guess, uh, contract being up at the end of the year. Put in a uh, solid farewell ride, I guess. Um, yeah, very unfortunate to see a career end. Well, it's very unfortunate for him that his contract didn't get extended because he put in a solid performance here today. And I think he is a very solid rider overall. And a lot of people say that he is definitely somebody who works hard. And maybe he's just not the most talented guy, but he makes up for the lack of talent with hard work. Work That's what they are saying. Commentator at VTM, Rob Peters, also said that he thinks that there might be a team watching this and have seen this performance thinking that they still should give him a contract. I think it's the obvious team that could give him a contract is Group Hens Mass Containers. What do you think about that option? Yeah, I think they have quite a few riders um, which have the same kind of profile. Uh, they they aren't the greatest, but on their day they can get some nice results, and they still, uh, in most cases, have some well margin for progression. And I think he fits this category. Uh, and uh, outside of them, I think there's also some more teams, uh, minor teams with maybe some ambition that uh, could be uh, could have a very solid pickup here. I also think that the fact that he's only 25 makes it extra sad because I think there's definitely some potential in to become a solid top 10 rider for him. And I also think it's unfortunate that he doesn't choose to or doesn't have the financial funds to ride the rest of the season as a free agent in a black kit like perhaps like um, Jens Adam does with some private sponsors because then he could have stayed in the picture and if you remember back in the days it was uh, Vincent Bastans who drove um, a couple of races like that as well and look eventually after two years of riding with private sponsors and funding himself he ended up having his own team so it's very unfortunate uh, the way that things uh, have gone for Nicolas Klepper. 
Then honorable mention for the two riders who ended, rounded off the top 10, Jentel Bekaert and Anton Ferdinand. Strong ride by these under-23 riders to really take the most out of the situation when a bunch of other people who usually end in the top 10 aren't there. Well, then we can talk about the women's race. In the women's race, we had a pretty dominant showing by Voss. Tell us about it, Juan. It was a quick start by Voss. Uh, she had a nice 13 seconds after the first lap, managed to double that advantage in the next, uh, even with a mistake in there. Uh, it was Alicia Frank that was chasing her for large parts of the race with Kant and Honsinger nearby. And as they went into the final lap, uh, it was those three that would battle it out for second place, Kant and Honsinger catching up with Alicia Frank and Alicia Frank not quite having it Kant moving past her and taking that second place leaving Frank and Honsinger to battle it out for the final podium spot it would be Frank that crashed in one of the very last corners but she was able to battle back get onto the wheel of Honsinger and out sprint her to the line. Well, the battle for second place was definitely more exciting than the battle for the win, mainly because Catablanca Vash was super strong today. And I should say Vash because that's the correct pronunciation of the name, and I will try to do my best for that, but it was a super dominant showing. Yeah, it was her Vanderpool impression, a uh, really impressive ride today, really got into her rhythm, was able to ride her own race, and uh, the result shows it. Well, you're really correct with that because that even that crash, it didn't really seem to hamper her. She lost a solid 15 or 20 seconds with the crash and getting her chain back on. But in the end, she still had 20 or 30 seconds lead that lap and winning with 1 minute 14 over Sonne Kant, really strong. But the battle for second place, that was a bit more exciting. For a long time, Alicia Frank was in second place. But in the last lap, she looked to have been maybe overshooting herself a bit in the first laps of the race. And Kant and Honsinger managed to catch up to her. What are your conclusions about this uh, battle here, Tuan? I think uh, Alicia Frank haven't quite divided her energy the right way. Uh, really seemed to be running out a little. And then uh, this little motivation that Sonicon managed to get, really uh, getting that fighter's instinct on and uh, passing Alicia Frank as Alicia Frank just, I don't know, it gave a bit of a... It wasn't really giving up, but it really looked like every, like all the energy and the fight had kind of gone. Um, but she was able to well get back on it for the final sprint, which was uh, amazing to see. Well, I think it's definitely good for her. She got her first podium in almost a year, and the same goes for Sonne Kant. It's been more than 300 days for both since they last scored a podium. That would definitely take some confidence out of this. For Honsinger, I was slightly more disappointed. Um, she lost a lot in the start, like she usually does, and this time she couldn't really get in the rhythm as well. And I don't think that this is the perfect parkour for her. She needs it a bit harder and a bit more on the raw power. But fourth... I mean, it's not great, but it's not bad either. Yeah, I think it's just a solid performance, and I think uh, this is kind of her level on what is um, not as tough cross. I think she is one of the best in the world when it gets really tough, uh, when it's really about all the power. Uh, and yeah, we you saw it in the sprint, there was just not a lot of acceleration there. 
And we also have to say it's the first time since Bredene exactly last year that there's a full podium without any Dutch riders on it. And I mean, of course, the obvious reason is that Brandt, Alvarado, Worst, you know, those riders aren't there. But in the end, it's good to see some other people standing on the podium for once. Yeah, the I mean the big fact I guess the biggest factor really is that uh, for the Netherlands it really was just Van Alphen and Roy Akkers today. Um although Van Alphe on her best day would definitely be in the fight for the podium. Um but uh, she has uh, slowly declined as the season has gone on, uh, really making a step though since last year. She ended fifth here, so that gives us the opportunity to look at the entire top 10. Vas, Kant, Frank, Honsinger, Van Alphen are the names we already mentioned. In sixth, we find the under-23 world champion Riberol in front of her teammate Anna K. Champion of Luxembourg, Christine Magerus in eighth in front of Arzufi and Rebecca Faringer in tenth. So, what names uh, here in this top 10 stand out to you? Honestly, I mean, maybe Magerus a little... Uh, she, I think she's done well here. Uh, Kay, a little bit disappointing, uh, finishing behind her teammate, who she has been better than, I would say, for the most part of the season. And Artsufi, again, not really showing what I would like her to show, especially with this kind of field. Well, it's really hard to actually say something about that part of the race because we didn't really have a lot of shots from it we've only really seen the leader and the battle for second i mean we got some shots of van alfa and riberol k was there for some part of the race as well compton was there as well actually for quite some part of the race some improvement on her side until her tube lost the contact with the tire in the last lap and she needed to run she eventually ended 11th it's really not the season for compton so far is it yeah, so far it's it's really looking like it's been a season too many. Of course, it, it's harder because you've had COVID, of course, which ruined a lot of the preparation, I would assume. Uh, so uh, maybe she can come good, uh, well, going toward the World Championships and after with some uh, crosses that will be probably having similar fields like this and maybe we'll see some nice results uh, like top fives. I mean, the season to March for Compton has been said quite some times and every time she managed to bounce back. And I think today also showed that she's still a good rider, maybe not as good as she was last year where she was challenging for podiums and ended fourth at the World Championships. But that's not a shame if you're 42 years old and your penultimate season that you're racing, if you're still managing to get in that top 10 quite often, I think you can be happy and the field is getting stronger and stronger and... If you don't have the perfect preparation, it will just make it harder and harder to be able to compete. Then we've come to the last point of this podcast, the short preview on the X2O Badkamers Trophy in Baal of January 1st. So that's tomorrow if you're listening to this podcast on the 31st of December. The parkour in Baal, it's almost an exact copy. I can only spot a few minor changes, but it's the traditional parkour here at the Baalerberg like we've seen in the last three or four years with the famous pump track downhill, which will definitely provide for some nice shots and if you're looking at this at the start list for the men's race all the big names are there we can see van der poel at the start list but also van aert pitcock is on the start list as well as well as easy if he can is able to start after his crash in zolder i think we could be in for a real good race here especially if there's some mud 
Yeah, I think uh, we can expect a nice race between uh, Van der Poel and Van Aert. Hopefully, Pitcock is able to get up in there. And then I think we'll see those three have a nice battle and uh, quite a few people uh, having a good fight for uh, the rest of the places. Don't think if Izerbeet starts that he will be quite there. Uh, of course, his body in recovery mode after what happened in Zolder. So I think even if he starts, it will be for a nice top 10 classification, but we shouldn't expect too much. Also expect that Van der Poel won't be going 110% immediately from the start. He's racing Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And Sunday is probably the most important race, the World Cup in Hulst. That determines the starting positions for the World Championships. He, I think he just wants to be at the top 8. So it's not even sure if he will start over Reise. So he will really want to get that win there. So I don't think he will go full out immediately. And that could give an open race because Van Aert is dangerous. Yeah, you saw it in Dendermonde. Uh, Van Aert has got the edge when we are talking just raw power numbers. And uh, Bau is definitely one of those courses where if it's muddy, that that's definitely a very big factor. Especially with the climbing on the Baler Berg. And I think we should just wait and see what will happen there. Corne van Kessel could be in for a decent showing as well if it's muddy. Then a short look ahead at the women's race. I think everyone is there as well. We see Alvarado, Worst, Brandt, Betsema, Vash. Everyone's on the start list. I think there we should be in for another battle between Brandt, Alvarado, perhaps Worst and Betsema as well. Yeah, I think if she gets a good start, uh, add Clara Hunsinger to that list of uh, people that could uh, play a role. Um, of course, she is shown in uh, similar to courses on like. Uh, on how tough the course is that she can compete with the best so i think she can maybe put it in a podium right again and don't forget av richards was pretty strong in namur she went to england and now she's back here she's on the start list as well i think she could potentially do something here as well yeah of course av richards a very uh, dangerous rider very good very talented and uh, hopefully she can put in one hell of a performance well then i think we've had it all for Baal. um and actually also for Breden and Twan thank you for talking about cyclocross once again with me thank you for having me on and then we'll be back the day after tomorrow with a podcast about the X2O trophy in Baal where we will fingers crossed have a more exciting race to talk about everyone thank you for joining us I hope you have a great New Year's Eve and then I will see you guys for the next podcast goodbye